0: Welcome to The Heart of It, where we take our listeners to the heart of healthcare. I'm your host, Dr. Victoria Lee, and I'm thrilled that for our first season, we'll be speaking with some of the exceptional people at Fraser Health that are at the heart of healthcare. As we begin today's podcast, I'd like to start by acknowledging that we are joining you from the unceded, shared, and traditional territories of the Coast Salish people, particularly Keitsi, Kwatlaan, Coquitlam, Tawasan, and Samyamu First Nations, as well as home to Surrey Delta Métis Association. It's my pleasure to introduce Tina Hartnell, our Executive Director for Food and Clinical Services, and Elaine Chu, who's our Regional Manager for Food Operations at Royal Columbian Hospital. Welcome, and I'm honoured to have you both here. Thank you. I'm honoured to be here. Yes. (laughs) Well, to begin, I'd love to hear a little bit about what was your calling in healthcare? Because you both come from dietitian, nutrition backgrounds, right? And then in terms of, um, you could go anywhere in terms of food and dietary services. So, what about health were you
1: interested in? And maybe I'll ask Tina. I remember taking a course on vitamins and minerals as it related to biochemistry and being amazed at the impact that vitamins and minerals had on the body. And what you ate really made a difference. And that food was really medicine. And it was at that point, I realized I needed to come up with a career that would continue um, that part of my education and explored away and dietetics at UBC came up. And I entered um, the field of dietetics to become a dietitian. And it was at UBC that I interestingly took one beginning um, intro course where we were required to read a book called Diet for a Small Planet. And in that book, which was written in the 1970s, um, planetary health wasn't even a thing. And yet it spoke a lot about the impact that food had on our food systems, how much water it took to produce different types of animal products, and that we really needed to be very mindful of what we did and what we ate and the impact that was having on our own bodies and the planet. Oh, great. So what brought you to Fraser Health and thereafter? So Fraser Health actually didn't exist when I started. So I think the question is more around what's kept me working in Fraser Health for over 30 years. And I would have to say, you know, it's really the people that you work with. You know, we often say that Fraser is a family and to me it truly is. It's where I've been spending the last 30 plus years in a variety of different roles and um, have learned to grow and really enjoy the opportunities and looking at what Fraser is interested in doing and how we move our health agenda forward. That's that's kept me here.
0: And I'll go to Elaine and hear from you a little bit about why uh,
2: nutrition, dietary health, why healthcare and why Fraser Health? Why? The answer is not as inspirational and glamorous as Tina's. Mine was a practical choice. I um, went into dietetics because um, at the point when I had to choose a subject for university, um, it was UBC that I went to, I was looking for something, science, but didn't require physics because I did poorly in physics. And so as I was looking through that physical calendar, at that time, there was the calendar that you read through (laughs) for university programs. And then a diabetics show up that it is a science subject without the prerequisite of physics. So I thought, okay, back on. That's that's the one that I'm going in. So I went in and um, uh, eventually just got really inspired by the connection between food and health. And that also connected to people. Um, food is this common day-to-day topic subject you know in Chinese culture when we meet each other the first question you will ask is did you eat have you eaten it has the relation to disease prevention has the relation to disease management so I then became a um, dedicated and committed dietitian despite the starting point was very practical Um, however, my first job wasn't in hospital, though. Uh, my first job, it was in Edmonton, and it was in an organization called Hope Mission. The Hope Mission organization uh, would be equivalent to the Union Gospel Mission here. So um, the organization serves to the underprivileged population of the community. And my job there was the food service manager that um, we uh, run the food service operation that served meals to the Population three times a day, seven days a week, and um, that was a very big eye opener for me. Um, I did not have opportunity to work with the underprivileged population until then, and not only that, we serve them food to nourish their physical body. On my team, we bring them on to be on the staff to. To use it as a platform for new beginnings, for new opportunities. So uh, from there, from Hope Mission, I, um, I went into a job at the U of A Hospital in Edmonton, and started my career in healthcare. And uh, that was then when patient care, patient experience, food, um, the food service team—they all come together, become uh, basically my life. Then eventually, I moved back to um, Vancouver area. Uh, went into Fraser Health, uh, met Tina. I met her the first time, before I started with Fraser Health, I met her the first time in the office where now is my office. That was 10 years ago, so I've been with the organization for 10 years. Um, The opportunity continued to happen, menu development and um, working with my team, enhancing customer service, patient experience. And to now, this new horizon comes together for planetary health through food.
0: And both of you talked about food as medicine, and food and the importance of food and nutrition. And I think sometimes we don't really think of food
1: as met part of that medicine and like holistic care. For years, food and in healthcare has been we've been asked to be more of a support service and viewed as an aside, something that we provide as part of the patient's day, but not necessarily part of the healing journey. And I think food has become more and more of a forefront in that what you eat does give you the building blocks and the muscle and the strength to actually heal and get better. So there certainly has been a a significant shift in terms of how food is viewed within um, the patient's day, the expectation that it's fresher, that it's healthier, that people have a choice in what they want to eat.
2: It's interesting to see food as a common language. Everyone eats. doesn't matter Who you are, what cultural background, everyone needs to eat. And that having food as a common language, it makes our industry, our service very interesting because um, everyone knows food. And so that makes it even more important to cater to what is that language that works for you that we can also provide, that we should also provide.
0: Food, as you mentioned, is that common language, sometimes language of love, and that's where people find joy as well. So how do you try to honor that in our setting where sometimes there's a lot of restrictions and
1: barriers to do that? Um, we've been very fortunate to start doing some pilots in choice dining and actually getting patients to either use um, their own devices to enter in their menu choices or going around with what we're calling meal ambassadors to do a bedside entry, We're really taking a look at what types of foods are we offering. Um, our halal menu will be rolling out very shortly, but really I think it's getting back a way to get as Elaine's always put it, in front of the house and then back in front of the patient. You know, we're very good at the back of the house to be very efficient in our meal assembly, in our meal production, but we need to have more time in front to really say, what is it that is what you want?
0: And it really sounds like getting into showing or demonstrating compassion and care through that choice and dining and what's, you know, not necessarily just being one kind of... Yeah, one size fits all and actually having more variety and choice available for people to have, I think, sometimes a bit of dignity when they're feeling vulnerable.
2: We are thinking that food is that common language. This common language also has different dialects. I'm also from an immigrant family myself. And so mac and cheese is never going to be my comfort food. I will go for congee. Right. um. So that means we need both to be the comfort food menu items. And I think we can do that. I, I think um as we are thinking beyond what we need to do, but what the patient wants us to do, I think that's how we can shift our perception to think about what is that we need to provide to that particular person. I know
0: that one of the wonderful, I think, proud moments from last year was also introducing more Indigenous menus and culturally actually recognizing
1: Indigenous uh, um, uh, place for our cafes. We reached out to our Indigenous partners in Chilliwack um, knowing that we had to rename our cafe there. Um And asked if they would be interested in gifting us a name. And we were very honored and excited that they actually jumped and went, absolutely. Um, they proposed two names, actually, and we selected a which means tasty or delicious. Um, you know, and food, we realize can be, you know it's it's a source of good memories and bad memories. Um so, but even just through a name, you know, through the naming ceremony that um, one of the elders spoke, um, Eddie, and he, in his um, speech, he, he talked a lot about how important it was for him to see his written language and to hear it um, spoken in the hospital. And that for him to come into the cafeteria and how proud he was to see that and how it would continue to keep his language alive. But, you know, I really kind of hit home to me is how important... Something as basic as just honoring their name for something that's tasty and delicious meant to that community. Yeah, it was a very, very, to me, a very, very humbling and very personal, very, very moving moment. That's really uh, heartwarming to
0: hear. One of the areas that I know you guys have been very, very uh, committed in is in that connection to planetary health.
2: I believe in the power of food. Uh, When we talk about food connects, there's a power in it, right? Uh, When we talk about the 5 million trays that we, in terms of Fraser Health, put together every year for all these facilities, long-term care and uh, acute care, that's 5 million trays of opportunities that we can turn something around. And that excites me. And so that's what got me going, (laughs) into this uh, planetary health pursuance. And I I think um, a few angles that we are working on right now, uh, the manual planning is one thing, uh, trying to include more plant-based protein from there to reduce greenhouse gases because um, the uh, one third of the greenhouse gases is emitted from the food system, the, the big food system, from the growing, the farming, the land, the manufacturing, the distribution, and that system is one-third of the global greenhouse gases. So I, I think that is essential. And so if um, we can work on including more plant-based proteins and to uh, reduce the greenhouse gas effect from there, I think that is a good uh, way to do because plant-based protein is also good for health. Another angle to look at it will be uh, the waste reduction. Uh, in healthcare, we, we produce a good 5% of also the global uh, greenhouse gas find the, the, the effective way to measure, because measuring waste is a big topic. <laughs> So measure, but then from there to reduce as well. And then uh, we're also looking at how we can um, incorporate planetary health components into a purchasing standard. Mm -hmm. Uh, What we choose to buy, where we buy it from, what kind of vendors do we pick that also align with planetary health uh, values. I I think it's also important to pull into the patient experience, into all these components, into all these uh, pillars. Uh, That's what I call them. At the end of the day, we are here for the patient. If we are so successful in all those, but that the patient experience is not positive, we are totally missing the mark. There's individual choices, but system
0: choices that we can make that make a difference. And at the end of the day, that all lead to better patient family experience that we want to see. And I think one of the choices that we've made, and that's Fraser, but also provincial, is looking at
1: more local options, whether local farming, local products, local vendors. Yeah, the Ministry of Agriculture sort of started a, a BC program several years ago, um, asking for um, an increased commitment of local procurement. Um, so we, we've definitely stepped up and we've, we've looked at a number of local um, farming communities. The recent floods in 2021 led to some drastic product shortages for us. Uh, we couldn't get a number of products through. Um, in particular, it was soups. We were very hard hit with our um, ready-to-make soups. Um, And we were fortunate enough, just prior to COVID, we had been reaching out to a new upcoming company called Goodly um, Foods that was using leftover produce and turning it into the most amazing soups. Um, So we reached out to the local company and asked if they could make up for our shortfall in a very quick turnaround time, and they jumped on the opportunity. Um, And we've continued that partnership quite successfully. Um, You know, not only are they a local company stimulating the economy, but they're reusing produce and uh, aligning very well with um, what we're trying to do in in our food procurement policies as well.
0: And I think that's where it kind of goes back to what Elaine said about like food and the power of food and the choices that we're making. We talked about plant-based protein before and vegetarian or vegan or those types of terminologies versus
1: if you term something... Plant powered. Yeah. It actually has a different impact. There's been lots of um literature and research done around if you label even in retail or on a patient menu something as vegan, it um it doesn't tend to be as well loved. But if you talk more about what you're adding into your diet, like making it a plant powered Friday, everybody wants that. Um, you know, so I think it's it's always focusing on what do we need to do more of, not what we need to do less of. What's behind the scenes of
0: food preparation and the food that we see when we're at a hospital or long-term
1: care, we're we're kind of driven by how do we um, how do we get all of the products in? Get all of all the number of trucks that we need. I mean, you're talking skids coming in every single day, if not multiple times a week from multiple vendors. You have multiple fridges that are not just your regular fridges; they're just giant walk-in units. One can be just dairy alone. One can be just produce alone. Um, you know, and then you've got to coordinate everybody behind the scenes that now have to know how many servings of every single item that they're going to either cook or prepare or portion and be ready then for a tray line that has to come down and assemble that meal. And then you've got the whole, now we want to, now we've got it hot, we've got it out there, we want to get it to the patient in a reasonable amount of time before the quality degrades as, you know, it's time, temperature, and the food sits. So it's, you know, there's not a lot of leeway in between for, for error. So many of the medications are timed with food or without food. So And the staff work routines, they're timed around meals as to when they need people present. So, you know, our, our role is, you know, beyond just getting the meals out there, we have that. We have to make sure we're fitting in with a, the rest of the system. Yeah, because
0: I think often we kind of have like food in front of us, but behind the scenes, we don't really know what happens.
2: Yes, until you yourself host a big party. And have that experience, then you know the timing of strategizing all the food to be on the table, right? Because if your dinner party starts at 5, and that will be very resembling our situation, your dinner party starts at 5, you don't start cooking at 4. You might be starting cooking the day before for anything that can be prepped without a timeliness. And then you you have to uh, time how you're putting things into the oven, putting it out, keeping it warm, putting it on the table, and then guests start coming. You have to say hi to them, but you have your apron. So all those things. Imagine times
1: 5 million. So um, I think that's that's the reality of it. <laughs> and three times a day. <laughs> You didn't just cater dinner. <laughs> They're there hanging around for breakfast and lunch the next day.
0: As you mentioned earlier, it can be quite pressured. We have fires, flooding, all kinds of <laughs> supply issues, etc. What's the kind of oddest thing that you
1: think or strangest thing that you had to deal with? Um, Burnaby Hospital's fire. Mm-hmm. It left us um, with no kitchen um, overnight. And still patients to feed because the other side of the hospital was left open. They decanted and moved as many patients as they could. Um, But, you know, our team pulled together and we didn't miss a meal. Breakfast was a little late, but, um, you know, we worked as a group and our neighboring Queens Park group um, had a truck and they got food over three times a day. We had a makeshift Um, tray line assembly and we were back in business until that kitchen was clean so yeah that was definitely one of um one of the fastest turnaround times of testing our team's limit what do you foresee for future of
0: food dietitian services
1: at fraser our move to um patient-centered and more choice dining you know and and really i think there's a big shift over years of you know trying to meet canada's food guide on three trays making sure that we provided you with every vitamin and mineral that we thought you would possibly need to one of what is it you need right now and how do we be in front of you and ask you what what do you want to have oh that choice part of it and at the same time the planetary health you know really trying to get a handle better on more plant-based proteins more fresh fruits and vegetables um, but also less single-use plastics we know that our patients and really suffer with opening packages. Do we allot a few more minutes yeah. to allow somebody to take the lid off, open packages? If it's a toast, put the butter on it, put the peanut butter on it. Um, but spend a few minutes doing that meal setup and making sure that, you know, the, the patient is able to consume what we've put in front of them.
0: And I think that kind of goes back to what you guys started with, which was that human connection that can also demonstrate the care and compassion, right? Yeah.
2: When you think about that connection point um, between food service and the patient, we are talking about quite a multiple points of time in a day, right? There are three meals a day. There's at least a delivery and a pickup. We are talking about six interactions of opportunities yeah. that we can deliver that quality, that care, that compassion to the patients from food service.
0: What are some of the feedback that you've received from our patients or family members from food
1: sur- for food services? One of the most uh, memorable to me and still resonates, and I I still chuckle every time I hear it, is a comment on a, a feedback survey that we got that said, salt is not illegal. So, you know, really, we found over the years that what one patient absolutely loves and will get great feedback on, another person says, no, that's not me.
0: So one last question that I ask everyone, what is the one thing that you would like our listeners to know about our health system?
1: I think it's yeah it's just our commitment to ensuring that the patient meal experience is very positive that we're looking out for our planet that we're really um you know we care very deeply about the food we provide um and that it is healthy I want to let people
2: know that that care is a holistic care um it's not just about the moments or the, the few days that they're in the acute care system but um is a holistic care that health can now also clear about planetary health, for example, right? Because that has a critical connection with people's health. Yeah. And so, um, ultimately, if we have happy planets, happy people, happy patients, I think we'll be quite happy. <laughs> Healthy, happy,
0: and nutritious. We, I think we're connecting the dots through food. So, thank you so much, both of you, for joining me today. And I love learning more about how we're showing care and compassion and connection through choice and food. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Join us next time as we continue to get the heart of healthcare. And please don't forget to subscribe and rate this podcast. The Heart of It is a Fraser Health production. I'm Dr. Victoria Lee, your host. Vanessa Wozno and Kevin Smith are our producers. Recording and editing is done by Fraser Health Communications and Public Affairs.